What is up? I am Miguel Antonio, and this is the Live and Create Podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. And this is the pre-COVID edition. It's a series of interviews I did back in 2019, and even though a whole lot of life has happened in between, I still wanted to get these stories out to you because I think you're going to find great value in it. On this episode, we have Jeff Paxton. He's the front man of the band Minor League, and he's also So Far Sound's city director in Houston, Texas. He shares his story of overcoming Guillain-Barre syndrome, which actually paralyzed him and took away his ability to play music. He also gives some great insights to new bands and how to book shows and what the people who are booking the shows are looking for. Hope you guys enjoy. The Live and Create Podcast. Well, I think we'll dive in. And sure. Jump into probably. I like to start sometimes, well, most times, with the most important question. If French toast and pancake had a fight, who would win? So, I, for me personally, I would go with French toast. Okay. Because I feel like there's more variation of the actual substance. So, you can put toppings on either one, you can put the same toppings on either right. one. But, French toast, you got like the eggs. You Some got like the barriers. nutmeg and cinnamon that you can put in the actual substance of the toast. So like a pancakes fortified. are pretty much. <laughs> I guess you can put stuff in like nuts and things in pancakes, but not the same level though. I, I feel like I see what you're saying. I see yeah, you're I feel going. like French toast just has more substance to it, I get and that. I like that. I, I can. I don't feel that. bad about myself after eating French toast. Pancakes, <laughs> it's like bread, sugar. I feel More like sugar crap now and some butter. <laughs> French toast, there's like some some good stuff in there. Nice. But, well thought out. I like yeah. it. <laughs> well, we're here in Houston, hanging yeah. out. I love the vibe here. Town. Oh, Good yeah. You got shows. some Houston pride. We were talking a little bit For about sure. that. So um, when you were talking about the, the hurricane that came through and kind of how you felt like that, that triggered something in the city, or maybe at least in you. But yeah. could you talk a little bit more about that, like what you yeah. experienced living in Houston and seeing maybe even the culture change, if I understood what you were saying? Yeah, for sure. Um, it was cool because it was, I mean, it was the biggest natural disaster in American history. Yeah. So like huge deal. Everything was underwater, billions of dollars in property damage all over the place. And it could have just kind of devastated a city, but for whatever reason, Houstonians really came together and you, you click on the news and you see people in canoes and kayaks going around the city, picking people up out of their houses, yeah. donating spaces. Uh, me, my wife and I had strangers living with us <laughs> for six weeks after the hurricane wow. just because they didn't have a place to stay. Um, actually, Facebook kind of connected a lot of people. They had the, the crisis response thing where you uh -huh. mark yourself as safe. Yeah. And if you don't mark yourself as safe, then it's like, what do you need? And then p any normal person can be like, oh, I've got a space that you can stay. I've got food, I've got all these resources. Nice. And so the way that the city came together was really amazing to watch. And just to be here while it was going on, all the pride in the city, all of kind of the, the brotherhood of if I have something, then you can have it. Yeah. And then the Astros won the World Series at the same time. And it's like, <laughs> and the baseball it was can help. the most beautiful time to be in a city. It was just, it was really amazing. So a ton of Houston pride going Yeah, there. and the, the pride still remains. Yeah. Like, even after that time, like, there's still so much pride in the city. How many years have gone by since it's that? It's been two years. Two years, okay. Yeah, so the two-year anniversary of Hurricane Harvey was, I guess, at the end of August this year. Wow. Yeah. And it's cool to see that stick by, like, the benefits, I guess, out of just 
a really horrible yeah. situation. Yeah, you obviously wouldn't want it to happen again. Yeah. But it was something that just really showed the human spirit yeah. of like taking care of each other. Kind of what everybody, the way everybody wants to see themselves. Right. You, you saw it in everybody. That's amazing. It was amazing. I mean, there were a few people looting, and, but you heard There's always that element. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Now, how long have you been in Houston? So I moved here from Lubbock, Texas. Lubbock, Texas. Yeah, nice. kind of small town. Um, I guess 2011. Okay. Moved here for a girl. Nice. Who's my wife now. Well <laughs> done. It worked out. I moved to Kansas yeah. City for a girl, and that didn't work out. But I eventually found my wife in Kansas yep. City, so it kind of did. But, so I'm glad Perfect. it worked out for you. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Yeah, well done. So, two thousand, so nine, nine years ago. And then at that time, because you were a school teacher yeah. uh, before doing so far, which we'll get into. But, right. So did you move here immediately start teaching as well? I did, yeah. So I moved here, I guess, in June and then got my first teaching job and started teaching um, early August yeah. that year. And then performing uh, on top of that was like, yeah, what did the performance bit. and music life look like for you when you were a teacher? Um, so I actually didn't, well, so this is like a whole other story about my life. I actually got this really weird nerve condition that basically paralyzed me. Really? Like um, how, how much paralysis? So it's, it's called Guillain-Barre. Guillain-Barre. It's, it's your immune system attacking your nervous system. Wow. And so it starts with the extremities, so like my fingers and toes went okay. numb while I was teaching one day, and I was at school, and my dad's a doctor, and I was like, Dad, this ain't right. my, my <laughs> hands are, gonna, are like not working anymore, like I could feel my core. Even when I sat up in the morning, it was like this weird wave of contractions. Wow. And it just spread really fast, and I'm a runner, and I couldn't run for like a year and a half. No way. Couldn't play guitar for about a year and a half. Because so even like just putting your fingers to the fretboard. Yeah, just kinetics. like my brain would tell me to play this song, but my fingers were just like just kind of That's moving wild. randomly and I had very little control over it. Okay. So anyways, that kind of motivated me to, to take music serious. Yeah. Even as I was teaching, but I didn't really get into like very seriously recording, performing until probably about three years after I moved to Houston. Okay. So I was doing the teaching thing full-time. I was the athletic director. I was coaching. Um, and then the, the performance and the music, I actually started taking serious probably three years after I okay. moved here. Gotcha. So yeah. paralysis-wise, like how, how do you work through that? What does that look like for you? Um, patience. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So is it, there's not like a, a treatment in a sense, or is it more like no, helping your not. body adapt to it? Um, so there's some, uh, there's some things that I have, like I have to wear some braces just to function. Really? Like just to pick up this cup, I'd have to wear a, a wrist brace because okay. I couldn't support my wrist. I In couldn't, I couldn't do this you. until probably almost two years after it happened. Really? I couldn't like pick up my wrist. And, and so you I run marathons now. This is crazy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So the first marathon wasn't until probably three years, four years after it happened. And just teaching, is it teaching your, your brain to function differently with your body? Is it teaching the muscles? Like? So it's actually, it's just the, the nerves repairing themselves huh. and they go at a specific pace no matter what you do. I think it was like a millimeter a week. Wow. And so it just was a slow process and I could track as it was progressing like, oh, I can actually do this now. So Dang. maybe in like a few months I'll be able to do this. 
That is wild. Yeah, so it was just patience. A lot of sitting around, <laughs> watching TV shows. And like physical therapy and that Some kind of stuff? Some physical therapy, but mm-hmm. that was not actually that helpful because really? it, it, would, it didn't actually matter what I was doing until the nerves healed. Once they healed, then I could start regaining the strength. I see what you're saying. But so that your immune system had basically depleted it and damaged it. And right. you were, it literally was waiting. You were yep. waiting for your nerves to heal. Yeah. They just weren't working right. That's why. And until they were working right, I couldn't really do anything. I couldn't do any physical therapy because I wasn't actually capable of doing anything. Yeah. So is that something that can come back yeah. for you? Yeah. It's, you all, have- it's all come back. Um, the last thing that came back for me was I wasn't able to walk on my heels uh-huh. until actually about a year ago. Really? So it's been like nine years since it happened. And that was just for some reason the last holdout. Like these muscles in the front of my leg, I just weren't working. Interesting. So what's yeah, it like running wild. marathons dealing with? Because from what I was gathering, yeah. you, you've been running them for a while. Yeah. Uh, what's that like when you still working out, like run on your heels? <laughs> I dealt with a lot of injuries my first couple marathons after recovering. Um, but it definitely adds a lot more meaning to it personally, having had that kind of taken away. And I've always been a runner, mm-hmm. and to have that thing that's so important to me taken away for a long time, I never take marathons for granted. Yeah. Like, I just love running now. I love playing music more than I would have if I hadn't lost that for a while. Right. So It's kind of special when like you're on yeah. like mile 18 and it hits you again in a yep. way. Yeah, just kind of remembering, man, I couldn't even walk down the hallway for man. months. Man. So I hurt my back. It was out for like six months. So yeah. I can't imagine dealing with that where it's your entire body completely yeah. out of your control. Yes. Way Pretty to fight back experience. and come back into it, though. Yeah. Um, so from teaching, you find your way involved with SoFar as you're performing as well here in Houston, right? Yeah, so I found SoFar, which is a pop up secret concert series it's all over the world it's in 400 something cities and growing right? yeah it's like still growing time. it's growing pretty fast there's a lot of a lot of demand for it which is very cool um, so I found that as a performer trying to find spaces where I could play my music to new people mm-hmm. in a place where they were actually paying attention to it um, in Houston there's there's two different types of shows there's playing at a bar mm-hmm. where you get paid you're playing for new people but they're not listening to you. Right. They're drinking, they're doing their like bachelor party or whatever, and they're not paying at all attention to what you're doing. Or there's the other side where you're playing at a venue to people who are listening, but you had to sell all the tickets for it. And so it's people who have already heard your music. Right. And so how do I play for new people who are actually listening? And then that's where So Far came in. So I started playing shows, um, and then I took over as the sound guy for So Far, and then took over as a city director about a year and a half ago. Nice, man. And now it's full-time job. So because yeah, when did teaching. you step out of teaching to, to transition full-time? So I was doing so far. so far and teaching at the same time for about a year and a half. And then this past May, I took over full-time so far. So this past school year was my last school year teaching. Nice, man. Where did, uh, where did the music, the passion for the music start for you? Whoo. It's one of those things that it's like so deep in me mm-hmm. that I'd never remember a time where music didn't impact me. That's cool. Like I remember when I was a kid, probably four or five years old, my dad would like, like I would sit in a rocking chair mm-hmm. and we would just listen to music. We called it rocking. 
And I remember listening to like the Beatles. I, I didn't know the play on word until later on in my life. <laughs> One day you're like, to, oh, you're rocking. probably running a marathon. Oh, yeah. No, I, don't. I get it. <laughs> yeah, but we listened to the Beatles. We listened to uh, my dad, like the Doobie Brothers nice. in Chicago. So he's training you up on some oh, for classics. Sure. And we'd also listen to like classical music. I remember listening to Handel's Water Music. Like that's a vivid, when I listen wow. to that music now, I'm like, oh, I'm immediately transported back to that. That's so it amazing. always meant a lot to me. Um, and your dad was a musician as well, or he just had a love for He just artists? had a love for it. He plays bass now in like a church band. Okay, um, right on. But yeah, so for me, it was always there. And it always impacted me. And instruments were always just really easy for me to pick up. Like playing the recorder in elementary school. You're like, like, oh, this is super easy. Like, why is everybody having a hard time with this? (laughs) So that kind of led to, I played piano as a kid, but was forced to. So it wasn't that fun. Right. And then got my first electric guitar, seventh grade. Nice. That's when the whole world opens up. (laughs) Oh, exactly, man. We wanted to be queen back in seventh grade. Who didn't, right? Yeah. Still want to be queen. (laughs) But I played trombone um, in middle school through high school. That was so much fun. Playing in the stands at football games. Nice. Yeah. Do you still play? I, I do play trombone as kind of a gimmick at my shows. Okay. So I'm not very good at it anymore, but I can fake it enough for people to be like, oh, that's 90% that's so of people cool. are like, he plays trombone. <laughs> yeah, He's <exactly>. brilliant. <laughs> yep. So if I'm playing a show, like that's when I see the Instagram videos posted when I bring the trombone. Right. Out. They're like, oh, this is a good show. And then trombone comes out. I gotta get this on video. Well played. You made an experience. I dig it. <laughs> yep. Exactly. But last night I was in Austin and get, I just popped into open mic. I found because yeah. I had a show the day before, just kind of a night free. And there was a guy with a trombone. I was like, no way. I need to recruit. They yep. told me I needed to recruit a band, so I just started <laughs> walking around the bar trying. But it yeah. ended up. It ended up being so late, and I knew I needed to get here, and I'm like, yeah. all right, sorry, I got to go. I was sad, though. Yeah. I didn't get to share a stage with a There's something about a brass instrument. That There's an energy, It's man. like, yeah, it's like this clear sound. It just immediately gets everybody's attention. That's it. Now, do you, like, loop stuff and play over with the trombone, or what, do you, what are you doing in your no, show? I, I need to so see I don't, I don't play the trombone unless I'm playing with the full band. I if see. I'm playing solo, I do, like, the little mouth trumpet thing. Gotcha. You, you put the little horn line in there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so the trombone's a full band thing, for sure. Nice, man. Yeah. So it started just as long as you can remember, and, and yeah. you said throughout this experience uh, with your paralysis, that's when it drove you to get more serious about it. Are yeah. you still in the middle of, of, of really leading so far in Houston, which is, I mean, how many shows you guys do, guys do a month? About 15 a month. 15 a month that you're yeah. doing and getting constant emails and all sorts of craziness, yeah. I'm sure, from... Artists like me who are like, hey, oh, yeah. man, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. um, do you, are you still performing? Are you still able to write and, and do your yeah, own stuff? Yeah, I am. Too? So the writing, has, the writing is my favorite part of all of it. Yeah. Like, I've got so many songs that nobody's ever going to hear, but <laughs> I just, it's the most fun part to me. And it's where I really get to express myself. And I love the creative aspect of it. Yeah. That a song, if a song's not good, you can't blame anybody but yourself. That's like true. you have to be the ultimate editor and make the song as interesting as possible. And I love that part of it. Like, that's awesome. I think also in the music scene, there's so much that's not within your control. Mm-hmm. Like if a show's bad, a lot of times it's because the venue or people are talking, or you can blame a lot there's of people. A lot of places that yeah. you can but point like, to. The songs is com- like that's completely within my control. I love it. So I love the writing aspect of it. I love the performing 
if it's a good show. I've kind of gotten a little pickier in my <laughs> old age. I used to just play, my band and I used to play every weekend. Right. And just got so burnt out on it. Like, yes, yes, we'll do that. Yeah, yeah. you take everything There's a season you can get. Yeah, it. there is definitely, we had to do that. Because, right. like, we wouldn't be a tight live band if we didn't play a bunch of bad shows. Yeah. Um, but now it's kind of being pickier with gigs, still performing. Um, What's your band called? Minor League. Minor League. Yeah. Nice. That baseball link. That's I, right. I like it. It's deep <laughs> yeah. for you, man. It's deep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's kind of rock and roll, fun. Like a '90s, okay, influence. I love '90s rock music. In my opinion, the best era. Some of the best music came oh, out for in the sure. 90s. Oh man! And I think that people are starting to appreciate it more. I think finally we're far enough away from the '90s that there's some nostalgia associated oh, yeah. with it. So hopefully, like it's going to come back around. Well, I think kind of like '80s, a few years back, the '80s sound and vibe yeah. kind of just came to the it's forefront. Everywhere. And I'm starting to hear a lot more up-and-coming bands. Like, people are like, hey, like a club, check this band out, check yeah. this band out. And almost all of them have a tinge of the 90s to it. I'm right. like, it's coming back. Finally. This is awesome. <laughs> but it's fresh, you know? Yeah, like, um, you know Rainbow Kitten Surprise? Yes. I love them. Yeah. But there's just this visceral 90s thing For to sure. the, the guy's voice and the way they write, just like yeah. the darker tones. Just like the song structures, to me, are were engaging in the 90s. Yeah. And bands like that, like, just have great songs. Oh, yeah. And it's less about the production element and, mm -hmm. like, the effects and all that. It's just, these are great songs. Yeah, and the emotion. Like, his yeah. voice. I don't know his name, uh, but, when, yeah, like, Cocaine Jesus, when yeah. he's singing that, I'm like, oh, this yeah. tune, man. Yep. So, but that's cool, man. Very, or Spotify and all that. Yeah, that's I'll, all. I'll put in the notes and, yeah. and everything. They can check it out. So. Yeah, for sure. They'll um, release a new track here in, like, five days. Oh, nice. It's pretty, it's pretty great. Pretty like garage rock. Hell yeah, dude. I actually recorded it in this room, just one take. Nice. Um, which was so freeing for me. Yeah. And like you got some of the room sound in it. It was just like this old school, really high energy approach. Uh, I redid the vocals later on, but like all the tracks were just one take. Let's get in a room, record this thing. Killer, man. Super fun. <laughs> that is 90s. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I bet just the vibe of the room and yeah. the sound in here, I could see that being cool. Yeah. So, so five days from now, which by the time this airs, it'll be out yeah. in there anyway. So, so October 15th, I think. Yeah. That's so when it's coming out? Yeah. Right on. I believe that's the date. Yeah, and I think this will probably go out like in November, so okay. it'll be... It'll be fully out there for yeah. all you people to check it out. <laughs> Perfect. So you get to perform, doing so far. Uh, what do you love about the so far environments? Ooh, lots of things. Um, actually, this past week I met with a bunch of city directors from all over the country. Okay. And like, just reinforced to me the core values of so far that are so appealing. Like, the emphasis on the artists. Mm -hmm. Really, like, everything so far does is to promote the artists. That's amazing. Like the fact that they create a setting where people are really listening and where an artist can actually engage and tell the stories behind the songs. It's just such a rare format now. Yeah. So it's all about the artists. I think kind of the secretive element of it is what really made it take off because that's such a, like a millennial concept. It's a secret show. You don't know where it's going to be. It could be literally anywhere. We've had shows in parking garages art galleries, we've had shows in here before, and then we've yeah. had shows at like coffee shops. Mm -hmm. I saw uh, Siphon, I was just over there, I saw there was like a So Far show That's right. that they had in the past events or something. Yeah, I was like, so okay. we did that, I guess, about a month ago. 
so yeah, it can be anywhere. It's just like this grab bag of any type of artists. We got hip hop, spoken word, jazz, classical, rock. Could literally be anything. And I noticed I was talking to, I haven't seen it yet, but the Kansas City so far, they incorporated some comedians oh, cool. into one of their yeah, events, some of the which I thought that. was pretty cool. I'm like, dude, I need to check this out. I know. <laughs> Where they had like the host of the night was an actual comedian from right. the community. That's and so he idea. got like, they just let him know up front, hey, this is going to be a little different, but he's going to have like a few minutes here, a few minutes there in between artists. Yeah. And they said it went really well. That's, That's a great a, idea. It's a cool thing. Noted. So. Well, and that's what uh, you had said something about that before of like crafting stuff. We were talking about like Joe Rogan earlier, mm -hmm. uh, just the comedians and the way that they have to just keep going out there and crafting their yeah. shows. And but for so for listeners, sorry, I almost got off on a tangent about comedians because I get really <laughs> excited. I, but um, for for listeners, though, if so, if you're wanting to go to a so far show, what does that look like then? So the secret of nature, just in, let's just in case they don't know what it is, can you break down what it yeah. looks like? To, to actually attend a SoFar show. Yeah, so you go to the website, SoFarSounds.com, and then slash whatever city you wanna to go to. And mm -hmm. one of the cool things is, it's in so many cities that if you're just traveling somewhere, more than likely the city you're in has a SoFar. Yeah. So you can kinda of add that into your travel plans and see some local artists from that city. Go to the website, you look at all the dates that they have. They have a, an, like a application process kind of for tickets. So it's mm -hmm. just a random lottery. Sometimes you don't get in, sometimes you do. Um, so you apply for the show you want, and then you get an email that says you've been accepted, mm -hmm. claim your tickets, and then you get an email the day before the show that says address revealed, it's at this location. You don't know what the actual space is, you just know that you go to this address, yeah. and you just kind of, you're in for whatever. <laughs> uh, and then you don't actually know the artists until they start playing. Right. Like, we don't announce the artists until we're at the show. That's awesome. So man. that's a cool thing, because people, if you know who's playing you kind of develop this idea of whether you're going to like it or not. Mm -hmm. But with so far, you just have to go in with an open mind yeah. and you find that you like things that you might not have expected to. I love it. So it's a great format. And like you said, the secret of nature when I tell other people about it, and it doesn't yeah. matter if they're like 16 or they're like 55. I told people all different ages, backgrounds, and they're like, what's so far? And I'll explain to them like that same kind of process. Yeah. And I'm like, you literally don't know what's happening. All you know is it's going to be good because right. you guys curate very, very well. Yeah. And uh, and they're always like, wow, that that actually sounds pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> they get pumped for it. It's really fun. What would you say to an artist uh, who's trying to like tour, doing that kind of stuff? What suggestions would you give to them as far as like getting involved with so far in different cities? It's a good question. Um, like for me. Like, you, you submitted, and right. unfortunately, the dates didn't work out, yeah. which and, is frustrating. But, but I do love it. I'll let you talk about the process, yeah. but I love the website and how it approached it. But anyways, su yeah. suggestions? <laughs> well, so, like, one of the reasons we wanted to book you, and if you're back in town, we'd, we'd be happy to book you, is because you had good live content. Okay. So I could watch your videos. You've done a so far before. I can see how you interact with the crowd. I can see how you perform in front of people in a room acoustically. Um, a lot of times we'll get submissions from people who just have recorded yeah. content, like a Spotify link. And that's like, they might sound very professional, but if I don't know how you're going to be in front of a crowd, you we can have sound so good in a studio that like, <laughs> we can be pretty picky. Like if yeah. I don't know that you're going to deliver, probably not going to book you. Nice. Okay. And so kind of developing that, that content to be able to prove to somebody who's booking, right. This is what I'm going to do. And it's good. 
then I'm happy to book you. Right on. Like it's actually, it's pretty easy to get involved if you have that content that's just like really obvious. You can deliver in this type of a format. Nice. Now, so, and and I'm I'm think I know what your answer will be, but but asking it so they could just. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter the the quality of it of that no, live performance. It honestly doesn't. And like, that's I hear so many promoters tell me that they're like, I yeah. just want to see what you do live. Like, yep. it literally, could be someone's cell phone. Uh, yeah, like if there. you can even if you're. Like my first videos that I submitted to so far to be an artist were just a house concert that I put on. Yeah. And I just invited a bunch of friends over, did a show, got a video crew, got an audio crew to record some stuff. So it was professional looking and sounding, mm -hmm. but I just put the whole thing together myself. Right. And I've used that video a hundred times to book things. But that's honestly, awesome. if you just had a cell phone video, that's plenty. Like if it's I can good see start how this, you right? yeah put together a show in your living room with your friends, interact with them like you're comfortable in front of your friends too, so you should be able to like <laughs> be engaging and fun. Because like, if you can't there, you might not be I quite know, exactly. ready for for yeah. this show. Maybe keep working on your. your <laughs> if you can't presence. be lively for mom, yeah, maybe exactly. <laughs> you need some more reps. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, so it's not that difficult. You yeah. just have to kind of take some initiative and put some stuff together. Give somebody your cell phone while you're playing and just say press play and then. <laughs> well, and that's I ask it. that too because I, I and I do it as an artist. It's like we want the branding, and I think, in my opinion, you should always be working on branding. Growing, I literally just created three new promo videos and changed even what I sent to you. But yeah. there's still live clips, you know, right. mixed in. But I see too often artists get so hung up on like it's got to be perfect. Yeah. But then what happens? They never play. You know, they're waiting for that. And it takes that. years to get the content out. Right. It's just like the moment's already gone. Yeah, buddy of mine said, because uh, I love Good to Great. I love like business books. Uh, yeah. Jim Collins, Good to Great. And I did a quote by it. And he said, uh, he said, yeah, but the problem is, is great, is good, or good is the enemy of great. He said, but sometimes great is the enemy of done. And sometimes yeah. you just got to get it done yep. and, and practice iterations. And yeah. So it's, it's cool to hear just, I love when promoters say that's like, no, literally, just get just that. Give me something. Give me something. Yeah. And, and if you're good, you're good. Yeah. Or kind of like you said, the song, where like, if the song is good. I can't remember if we talked about that before yeah. the cameras start rolling or not now. <laughs> it's all kind of bleeding. But yeah. uh, when we were talking about songs, it's like, if the song's good, you know, it connects and, yeah. and it'll speak through all those things. Right. So, but um, I love the philosophical end of so much. I love, I love what makes people tick. It's really cool to hear, like, even you're not cool that you got paralysis. <laughs> uh, what was the name of the, uh, I forgot the name. Guillaume Beret. Guillaume Beret. Yeah. But it, it was cool to hear how that helped shape you and how, like, you yeah. pushed through that. Um, so that's one reason I, like, kind of started this, like, figure out what's making people tick, what's making other artists, other, other business folks tick. And mm -hmm. so for you, when you think about ultimately living a great life, what does that mean to you? It's a big time question. Right? Um, <laughs> it's like, let's get a cigar, maybe some yeah, whiskey. And, and <laughs> How much time do we have here? Um, so I think there are a few different elements to it. I think one is, man, if you can't be happy today, mm -hmm. then no matter what happens later on, like whatever you think you need to have, whatever situation you think you need to be in, you're probably not going to be happy then either. Yeah. Like, thinking about a lot of the things that people expect will make them happy, like travel, for example. Like, my wife and I try to travel as much as we can. 
but I'm under no illusion that if we travel, I'm just going to be happy all the time. Like, no matter where you go, you're still you. Like, you still are, So like, true. frustrated at the same things. You're still, like, lacking sleep and get annoyed. You're still hungry. Like, nothing, if you're not happy now, you're, you're not going to be happy when you get whatever you think you need to be happy. That's awesome. So that's kind of been a... Like, that's something I've found even in the last couple years with, with my music career even because, mm-hmm. like, there's this point that I would like to get to in my music career, but just kind of understanding I'm going to work just as hard as I ever have. Like, yeah. I'm still going to make the songs as good as possible, make the recordings good, put on great shows, but also understanding I'm, I'm doing that because people need things to shoot for. Right. And I need that personally to stay productive. But if I get there, it's still me. Like, I'm still the same person. And so I need to figure out how I can be happy and content with where I'm at right now. Yeah. Um, And I think the second aspect of it is you got to figure out a way to make what you're doing about contributing to other people. Yeah. Um, So, like, for me, with my teaching career, that was really obvious. It's like... Yeah, this is really exhausting. It's built in, right? Right. You can see the growth. (laughs) Oh, ideally. (laughs) Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, this is a really exhausting profession. But I can feel satisfied with what I'm doing because other people are living better lives because of it. Yeah. Or with so far, for me, the most rewarding thing is not even playing the shows. It's giving my friends and other great musicians in Houston opportunities that they wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. So kind of creating that community has been really cool. And like, that's more rewarding to me than just like how many Instagram followers we have or like how successful we've been putting on all these shows and how fast we've grown. It's, it's really giving these people opportunities to play in front of people because that's meaningful to them. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I, uh, my wife and I would talk about that concept a lot where I often say something very similar. I'm sure I took it from some quote from somebody, but it's like, wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. And like going back to your, your first piece yeah. that you're talking about where it's like, yeah, I, I remember touring. It's a hard we were out on the, it is. And I still work on it because yeah. I'm like, like every day is still kind of battling that what I want versus where I'm at. And yeah. I remember being on tour one day and just like being frustrated about this or that. There's so many things that can go wrong and, and, and family life and all these kind of things, money. And I was like, well, what do you want? Kind of asking myself that. And then seeing like, literally, I already kind of have the things. I, I have a great wife. I have these kids that I love. And yeah. I have the careers not where I wanted it, but I'm still touring. I'm still getting to do music. And I wrote, so it was like making me reevaluate. Like you're literally yeah. mad about things, but you have the things in front of you. You're just not enjoying it now. And yeah. that, what you were talking about, where it's like, if you finally get to whatever that echelon you thought you wanted, are you just bitter and angry and did you lose everything along the way? Yeah. Th- those kind of concepts. For sure. So and I love that you say, bring that up. Can, like, you can misconstrue that to, like, you shouldn't pursue your dreams. Right. And that's, like, not at all. <laughs> that's different. Because, I, like, I I'm trying to do that, that every day. <laughs> and, like, I've got a bunch of goals that I'm working towards. Part of it is just if you have something, if you're good at something, it's just irresponsible to not try to do it as well as you could possibly do it. Right. Like I feel like, um, I mean, if you have a, a talent, you mm-hmm. you got to pursue it. You, you have to try to do the most with it. Yeah. 
just understanding that you got to be happy with yourself. So is it no for you, would at. you say it's more like learning to enjoy the process of the thing as opposed to yeah. the outcome? Yeah, I sense. think, um, <clears throat> yeah, because the outcome is rarely as good as you want it to be. <laughs> so, yeah, just enjoying the process and just the value of working hard for something Yeah, just, I think, generally makes you a better person. That's so awesome. even if you don't, like we were talking about running earlier, yeah. even if I don't qualify for the Boston Marathon, just the process of trying to get there and mm-hmm. working hard and being committed to something just makes me a better person. Yeah, gives I you the discipline, the, yeah. the focus, and probably the endorphins that you need to, <laughs> to, point. to keep going. For sure. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah. Well, and, and so this other thing of, of finding, I, I'm trying to think exactly how you said it, but the idea of providing for others, like doing something that will impact other people. Um, is there a specific moment in the so far world that sticks out to you where you were like, man, I feel really good. I feel good that I saw this thing happen. Yeah. Uh, I was just thinking about this the other day. It's fresh on my mind. The most gratifying experiences I've had with so far Mm -hmm. are sending Houston artists who I know and think are amazing Mm -hmm. to other cities. And the other cities are like, this dude is amazing. Like to (laughs) me, that's, that's when I'm like, okay, we're getting it right here. That's like awesome. that to me is extremely rewarding. Celebrating the people who I think are great mm-hmm. and then giving them other opportunities and they just kill it and makes them look good and it Heck makes yeah, me man. really happy. I love it. So. Man. I might have to just, even this clip, I might have to just cut it and put it out there on its own as well. Yeah. And because a lot of younger artists, I get the opportunity to talk to younger artists trying to like do things and it's almost like they... They think uh, promoters are, I, I don't know exactly what you would call yourself. Uh, I think a little it is bit like of a prom- promoter. Yeah. Uh, sort of promoter, but yeah. like someone in your position, like the person who's saying, yes, you can play or you can't yeah. play. It's almost like me against them. Where, uh, And I had that same mentality. The more people I got to know, where I was like, that's almost everyone. I've met a few where it's just, at the end of the day, it's just money and they don't care right. at all. <laughs> but on a yeah. whole hearing these kind of stories where I think younger artists need to hear that. It's like, no, yeah. they really want the best. Yeah. So I think just be patient and keep working, not. you know? Yeah. That's awesome. So the idea of, of creating great things, I, I think we've, we've hit on that, you know, me yeah. in and out of it, but if you had to boil it down, what does it look like to create great things to you? <sighs> I think, uh, so for me, it would be like when I'm creating great things, that could be, that can mean creating great results for things that I'm going after. Um, as a songwriter, creating a song that I wouldn't change a single thing about. Mm. And so I think in a way it is, you kind of have to be a little bit of a perfectionist um, in that you, you have to take pride in what you're doing. Yeah. Like what you are creating, if you're writing songs, if you're running a business, if you're an athlete, whatever it is, your, your in product is a representation of you. Yeah. And for me, I'm, I'm like a very competitive person and I want my end result to, to represent me in a good way. Yeah. Um, and so anytime I do anything, I feel like almost sometimes to a fault, like it's gotta be great. Yeah. Um, so for you, is it at the end of the day, you want to be proud of it? Yeah, that's more so that's than how really, other people perceive it. Yeah, so for me, a huge motivation is I want to be proud of what I've done. Yeah, 
even if, I mean, we were talking about it with songs. Mm. Even if nobody hears this song, which is probably more than half of the songs <laughs> I'm going to write, to me, like, I want to know that I wrote the greatest song I could have written. Right. And I think that kind of, that mentality filters into a lot of different things. Mm. And that's something I, I tried to teach my students whenever I was teaching. Like, man, even if nobody knows about this, just knowing that you did your best is such a gratifying feeling. Yeah. And if you can make that a habit, then whatever you do, you're going to, you're going to be successful. It's like, going to grow. Yeah. Like, like on, even if it's painful step by painful step. If, right. Uh, no, I feel you. Yeah. If you just really care about the detail and the quality of what you're doing, yeah. then it's going to like, you'll be, you'll be okay. That's awesome. So any advice you would give, um, other, or any other advice you would give like younger artists uh, or newer artists, I should say. Uh, who are trying to to get out there? I feel like you've already given a wealth of knowledge, but anything specific that you feel like we haven't touched on? I would say, um, I think you have to identify what your what your ultimate motivation is mm-hmm. with arts. Is it? Um, I mean, for some people, and I don't think this is wrong at all. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's about building a career. Like mm-hmm. this is the career that they want, and. They're, they are going to do the things that they need to do to make it a career. And I think that's totally fine. Yeah. I think sometimes people get mad at those, like, oh, you're selling out of it. No, I'm trying to make a <laughs> career out of doing something I love. And right. I think that's totally fine. So you got to figure out, do you want it to be a career? Or do you want it to be, like, your true self expressing yourself in the most authentic way? Yeah. Sometimes the bo- both of them come together, and it's right. a perfect situation. Sometimes you do have to decide, like, Am I okay with having a really small following, mm-hmm. kind of struggling away for a long time, but knowing that I've been completely honest with the way that I wanted to express myself? Right. Or am I somebody who's like, a producer tells me I need to do this and it's going to sell more records and I do it. Like, throw some strings on it. Like, Let's do it. All right. <laughs> that's totally fine. Right. Like you just have to know which is your motivation because if you're kind of stuck in between the two and you don't 100% commit to one of those things, Mm -hmm. then you're like, you're not completely satisfied maybe with what you're doing, but you're also not maybe making it like as a career the way you want to. So you have to figure out what your ultimate motivation is. I love it. And then you just make decisions. And if people hate you for it, like you 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 made, yeah, you made the decision and you stuck with it. I love it. So yeah, that's the why behind what you do. And I like, I, I feel like I see that. I've even seen that even in myself and trying to like do this whole music career thing where it's like you ultimately just get frustrated when yeah. it's this or that. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I dig it. I yeah, dig and it. there's no guarantees, obviously. <laughs> like, right. If I put strings on my new track, it's not like I'm going to be moving to L.A. <laughs> right. Well, there was one day I read a, it was an article where they tracked a Rihanna song from so they do their songwriter like retreats their camp retreats it's like two weeks where they get the top writers right in like the world and they pay them all just crazy money send them out for two weeks in like you know a cabin and they write all these songs with her yeah and then one of those songs gets chosen out of all those songs and then they dump all this production all the things you know and i i love pop music so it was like really fascinating to me to to hear it and then they finally get it out there, ton of money behind promotion. Like, I think when it's all said and done for that one song, is like two million, which from what I understand isn't wow. even that much money for what they've done wow. in the past. Yeah. Didn't even chart. 
I can't remember what song it was. <laughs> Didn't even chart. And I was like, well, Jesus, man. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I called my what producer one day here? and I was like, dude, am I just crazy? Like, I think I'm just crazy for doing this. And I was kind of hoping to be like, no, no, you're, you're good. He goes, dude, yeah, we're all crazy. This is an absurd yeah. job. You yep. want to play music and have people show up and like it. Yep. Like, that's absurd. Of course you're crazy. But yeah. would you do anything else? Right. And it's like. And that's also oh. the key. <laughs> You've got to know that this is what you want to do. Yeah. For sure. Like, if you're going to really commit to it, this has to be. You can't, you can't just halfway yeah. get into music and expect the results that you want out of it. It's like, it's got to be deep inside of you. you mm-hmm. got to be committed to it. Absolutely. And, that, and that's I, uh, my... I toured with a bass player where he was in acting. So music was his plan B, which he loved joking about. He's he's like, music was my plan B. Is that insane or what? And, uh, but he said he had a drama teacher that the first day of class when he started studying was like, if you can see yourself doing anything else, go do that because or else you're not going to survive the arts world. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. What do you, I mean, what do you think of that? I I mean, I think that's absolutely, I think that's advice that, more teachers need to give honestly and I think that if if you can see yourself doing something else but you don't do something else and you stick with it but sort of Mm half-heartedly you're gonna miss the opportunities to maybe be successful in a different way right so you you got to be in a hundred percent for sure definitely that's awesome man well thank you for making the time yeah I appreciate it and uh just thank you for what you're doing for artists it's cool to hear like you talking about sending someone to yet another city and I've had so far people do that for me yeah. uh, from my own city and it's just huge that kind of stuff is huge yeah. for us and it means a ton uh, the fact that an artist can go to a city they've never been to um, like get ready to go to Portland never been there mm-hmm. but I have now I have the opportunity to play yeah. for other people and so it's thank you amazing. thank you for what you're doing I know yeah. it's a shit ton of work <laughs> behind the scenes yeah, um, that maybe is. not every artist sees but yeah but yeah so I appreciate it and thanks for making the time for this of course yeah, yeah thanks for doing this awesome man best of luck in your tour thank you man <laughs> awesome that was cool yeah that was very cool thank you for listening to the live and create podcast if you like what you heard make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review The Live and Create Podcast.